Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sister. Okay, so one of life's big questions that I definitely want to know more about is how can I manifest more awesome things into my life? And is there any chance I can manifest a Powerball win? Because I would really, really love that. We've all heard of the law of attraction and how does manifesting things into our lives actually really work? Because let's face it, we all want really great things to come to us. An amazing guy, your dream job, millions of dollars, holidays overseas. So can we really manifest these things and how does it work? And the big question again I want to know is, why have I not yet manifested that Powerball wins? Because I totally have plans for that money. So I have a very special guest who has manifested so many fabulous things into her life. She's now written three books about it, been signed up by international publishers, Hay House, created a million dollar business, is building her dream beach forever house, has a beautiful family, and I could just go on and on and on. But here is Denise Duffler thomas Oh my gosh, what a great <laughs> intro. Thanks, Mel. Thank you. Well, I thought, you know what, for me, and I've known you a little while now, I see somebody who has managed to build an amazing life over the eight years that I've known you. But I also know there's a bit of a story about you, how you actually came into manifesting. Oh, absolutely. And like you, I am really grateful for all the things in my life, but I also know that there is something undeniable about the law of attraction. And when you really focus your intention on something, magical things can happen. But I would say that I look at manifesting from a very Virgo point of view. You know, so you're a Virgo. I'm yeah. a Virgo. You are as well, right? <laughs> I'm a Libra. Oh, you're a Libra. Okay. Yeah. So Virgos are very much about practicality. And so the problem that I had with the law of attraction is that I started reading personal development books and I just didn't get it. Yeah. I was like, but what do you do? Yeah. Like, do I just have to meditate really, really hard? Like, do I just have to wish for things really, really hard? And I just didn't understand like what was my to-do list out of reading a manifesting book or learning about the concept of manifesting because it felt very unsatisfying, but also just really confusing. And I felt like it was about deservingness. Yeah. And it's interesting because the whole concept of it, it seems like it's so easy, but then like I myself, I'm going, oh, well, I'd, I'd love doing the Powerball, but that's just not happening. So, which I know is, you know, realistically, that's kind of pie in the sky sort of stuff and, and not really how it all works. But I can imagine for people who don't really know about the law of attraction or manifesting, it can seem maybe a bit out of reach. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's really funny whenever there's a massive big lottery or Powerball jackpot, I get a ton of traffic to my website because I have an article called, can you win the lottery using the law of attraction? And the answer is, for those of you who want to go and find it on my site, there's so many other things that you can manifest much quicker and easier and that are within your control. So let me talk about my philosophy of manifesting, right? So if we break down what is the word manifest, it is to make real to make something appear, to make it real. And so I always look at what can you do to make something real? And there are a ton of different things that you can do. So I always say, if you've got to look at some of the laws of the universe, right? And there's that thing about coincidences and synchronicities. And 
there's that really famous kind of study about like if you want to buy a certain car, you start to see the same car everywhere. So I was like, okay, our brains are obviously wired to look for patterns, look for signs, look for synchronicities. What if we can reverse engineer that for things that we want to manifest into our lives, goals that we want to manifest? So I always look at it from that point of view. How can I train my brain to believe that those things can come to me? And when you have the belief that that is possible for you, you will act in different ways. You will. So you'll look for opportunities. You'll feel more brave if opportunities come to you. You will take action. And we know that thoughts create our habits, which create our actions, which create our reality. So when you look at it like that, the law of attraction isn't necessarily this magical thing that happens outside of us. It is accumulation and accumulation of all of your thoughts and your beliefs and then your actions. And then those micro changes, those micro behavior changes, then that adds up to your life. Do you know what's interesting? I absolutely believe that I manifested my husband. That's a really great thing to manifest, right? Because what did you do to manifest him, do you think? So this is interesting. I can tell you about the magical moment where I was literally sitting under the moonlight. So I was in a relationship that was becoming toxic. And there was one night I was sitting on the front step of my house and I was still in a previous relationship and I was sitting on the front step of the house and we'd had like a really horrible, horrible argument. It was like midnight and the moon was out. So I know that sounds a bit romantic, but that's literally how it was. And I remember sitting there crying and crying, saying to myself, my father didn't raise me to be treated this way. My father didn't raise me to be with somebody who can be like horrible to me. And then I sat there going, just to myself, I wish I was with somebody who understood me and who would listen to me and who I could talk to about my university work, who I could talk to about my job, who was really funny, who was, okay, handsome, who, and I just remember sitting there, but the thing for me was somebody who was kind and caring and I remember just saying that over and over again and I at the time I wasn't sitting there going I'm trying to manifest somebody else because I didn't meet that person for a few years but when I finally met him I was like wow it was that moment I just knew that he he was the person that uh, years later I had been you know talking about to myself or to the moon or whatever that night but you're right because the interesting thing is he didn't just appear I wasn't walking down the street and he jumped in front of me. I actually had gone out on a blind date. I'd taken a chance and it just happened to be in that moment that I had met that person, but I had to actually be ready to put myself out there. So there's one thing that you just said there that's really important and it's naming our desires because if you weren't able to name what you wanted, you might not have been able to recognize it when it came. So I I think a really big key in manifesting is really sitting down and and writing down what you want in every single detail you can. And so there's a couple of reasons why. One is, so I said, if you name it, then you can see it. Sometimes you have to do it because you actually need to build your belief that that's possible for you. Even just in the act of writing down what you want, you'll start to have things come up that might be well, I don't deserve a man like that, you know, and then that is valuable information because then you might go, you know what, I need to do some therapy around this. Yeah. And all of those things prepare you for that person to come into your life. So I think writing down your goals 
is so important. Writing down your desires is so incredibly important. I've heard from so many people that they have manifested a soulmate from writing down all of the qualities that they want in a partner. Absolutely. So you can recognize it. And you know what though, we are so unused to voicing our desires, especially women, because We've never been able to say what we want. And, you know, if you think about when you're a kid and if you tell your parents what you want for Christmas, there's a lot of emotion around that, right? And I try and say to our kids whenever they voice their desires around what they want, I never shame them for them. Because as women, we're often shamed for voicing our desires. And it could be, I want that Barbie. And you don't know what's going on in your parents' lives when you're a kid you don't know what that brings up for them, right? But sometimes the reaction is, well, what do you think? Am I made of money? Or that's really greedy to want all of these things. So we don't know what we want. Do you know what? That's so true. And as much as Hey Soul Sister and the Sister Code is about women supporting women, I have met a number of women over the years that when they might hear another woman say, oh, do you know what? I'm going to go on a retreat. Um, I'm going to spoil myself and, and do some trouble that's just for me. Other women can get quite judgy about that absolutely yeah absolutely and we feel guilty for spending the money and we feel guilty for spending the time and all of those things so everyone listening I want you to reflect on that about how weak your desiring muscles are and I'll give you one little example I don't think you have this probably anymore but you might have had it in the past think about when you go into a shop How many times do you see something beautiful, but you look at the price to see if you really like it first? It's almost like you don't give yourself the pleasure of looking at something and seeing if you desire it or trying it on to see if you desire it. So many women, they look at the price tag first to see if they're allowed to like it. Yes, absolutely. Did you used to do that or do you still do it or... Oh, I'm going to okay. Not I used to do it. I don't now. <laughs> I don't. And I didn't think so yeah. because I yeah. I see you as someone who really has embraced those desires. Yeah. But you know, there might have been times in your life, maybe when you're a single mom, that mm. you just go, "Well, I'm not even allowed to look." Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I would say? Not so much when I was a single mom because by then I felt confident enough with myself and what I was earning and that to go. You know what? If I want that. I'll, I'll be okay with that. But certainly there were times in my life where, you know, growing up, I just, that would not have been on the radar. And I grew up in a family where there were four kids, my dad worked, my mum was a stay-at-home mum. So there was a period of time where, you know, we would go to McDonald's and we would, between the six of us, would share two fries and two drinks and we'd get a burger each. And it was interesting. I remember the first time where I went to McDonald's with a girlfriend when I was probably about 13 and I had my own burger, my own fries and my own chips. It was the best thing in the world. I didn't know that you could have that in life. <laughs> you felt like a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, totally. I got my own burger and my own drink and my own chips. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to thesisterco.com. So speaking of that, really, some of our money beliefs can be learned from Oh, childhood when we grow up. Most of them, absolutely. So I look at money blocks in particular from two different points, the the nature nurture, right? So um, the nurture is all the things you were taught about money. And what I find fascinating about that is from working with so many thousands of people now, mostly women, is that there's not as strong a correlation as you would think between how much money you had and what you think about money as an adult. And I've asked so many people this, you know, Um, how did you grow up? And some people were poor, but they didn't know they were poor. Some people were poor and felt wealthy. Some people were middle class, but their parents hid 
like that from them and they thought that they were poor or they thought that yeah. they were rich. And then I've met heaps of people who were wealthy and they thought they were poor. Yeah. So it's really interesting. It's usually the way that your parents talk about money. They talk about desires. They encourage you around money. And there's so many default behaviours that even when I became a parent, I didn't realise. Like when Willow, my first daughter, who's now five, she picked up some money. And of course, she went to put it in, in her mouth, as kids do, right? Yeah. And I said, don't do that. Money's dirt. And I was like... Oh my God, money is dirty. It's the first message we ever get about money. And it's not just that when it comes to manifesting, it's like we're just shamed for wanting things. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's so tricky when it comes to manifesting because we just cannot name what we want and we feel guilty about it. Yeah. And sometimes, unfortunately, that shame can translate or be projected onto other people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've seen this in particular industries, right? So I've seen this in industries of healers, for example, or health coaches or people who are in the spiritual world. They can absolutely shame each other for wanting to charge anything, like not even well, but charge anything for what they do. And I want to see a world where we're encouraging of other women earning money yep. um, because that's what's going to change the world, right? We know this. Yeah, I agree. I remember I had somebody once speak of another woman and go, she's, got, she's forgotten where she came from because she Ugh. went and bought a pair of designer shoes. It's like, we should be going, do you know what? If you really want that and that's within your means, high five, sister, you go get those designer shoes. I, yeah. I really felt that one because... I grew up on the Central Coast. I grew up with a single mom in housing commission. And I remember when I started making money in my business and I started having kids and I thought, I need to hire a nanny. And I just thought, my friends from home are going to think I'm the biggest snobby bitch for having a nanny. Because as a kid, that would have only been like super wealthy people would have had that. And, you know, I feel like my work at the moment is around normalizing wealth, normalizing women earning money. Yeah, you know, for ourselves. And because not every woman, not every person has that ability to do it. But when more women have money, it does change things for the better for everybody. It changes things globally. It really does. It changes politics. It creates policies that help people who can't do that for themselves. And we just need that so badly in Australia, in lots of other countries around the world. We need more empathy. We need more feminine leadership. And we need more power and economic power in the hands of women. And that's one thing that I love that you're doing now is you're really focusing on that around supporting business women, entrepreneurial women around their money mindset and helping them remove those money blocks yes. and fears. Yeah, that's and that's all I do now. Not because it's the most important work in the world. It's just I thought, where where can my contribution be? And early in my career I worked in sustainability and I loved doing that. And that, you know, really impacts the world and we need more of that. But I just have such a passion for money and women. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want yeah. to stay there. Which is why I want to go back to what you said at the start about the Powerball thing. Yeah. Okay. So Powerball. So many people think that a lottery win would be the answer to all of their prayers. Yeah. Right? And solve all of their problems. The stats don't agree with us on that because a lot of people who do win the lottery end up the same or some in some cases worse than before because they haven't changed any of their beliefs around money. They haven't changed any of the behaviors and habits around money. And so money doesn't cure money blocks. Yeah. It's a band-aid solution. However, I want to go back to the desire. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a lot of things that I have in my life now, building a beautiful home. I have a rose farm and all of those things, probably if you asked me 10 years ago, I would have thought I need to win the lottery to get these things. Yeah. 
And so I was focusing all my energy and desire on the winning of the lottery. But what I've learned is you have to, you have to feel desiring of things that really capture your heart. Yeah. You know, and winning the lottery isn't a heart thing. Actually, you know <laughs> what? You're absolutely right. It's like, whoa, it's like that instant gratification. Absolutely. And also what can you do to win the lottery? Like what can you actually do? You can buy more tickets, but if you focus on the things that you want and you desire, and that desire is like a burning in your belly for change or for something beautiful in your life or a different quality of life, that burning in your belly will help you to see opportunities. And for me, it's in my business. I am motivated to work in my business. I'm motivated to help more people and to, you know, get more sales because I have a desire for something. And sometimes it's not just to help other people. It's also for fun things too. It's okay to have both. It's okay to have a desire just to pay your mortgage as well as it's okay to have a desire to donate money to charity. But it has to start with that desire, not for something like the lottery. So I've got a friend who she's really procrastinating in her business at the moment, really procrastinating. Hope she doesn't listen to this because she'll know who it is. Um, And I said to her, you need to go and look at houses. And she's like, why? And I said, because I know you have a desire for a big, beautiful house for your family. And until you go and look at those houses and feel like stand in the place, stand in the air, breathe it, you're just not motivated enough to do the things that scare you. And, you know, being in business is scary. Starting a charity is scary. All of those things are scary. And without the desire, you're not going to do those scary things. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. You are the classic example, again, of the law of attraction and manifesting and bringing in amazing things, even within your own business. When I first met you eight years ago, we were sitting in a hotel room in New York and you were promoting your, I think it was like your first or second money boot camp. Yeah, it probably was my first, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember you said to me, okay, I want to get 72 people signed up to do my first money boot camp and you were at about 36. Mm. And now you've managed to create a million dollar business. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I think last year that program alone was, was almost 2 million. So we've had over 6,000 people through that program. Well, wow, So you've gone yeah. from, I just want to get 72 people. That's yeah. 72 is the key number to now you've had 6,000 people. Yeah. And you know what? That. I want to have 50,000 people through it. You wow. know, I look at Marie Folio who yeah. runs a program called B-School and she's had 54,000 people through her program. You know, when you go, everyone's seen this, there's no more customers customers in the world like no one needs this anymore I go wow I can quit or change what I'm doing when I've had more people than b-school so that keeps me really motivated of you know how many people can I help and you know I still have other desires too that money can flow through my business and I think that's so important is that having a mechanism but for money to flow through you not just like oh I'm going to buy a lottery ticket because that's one chance out of however many million but there's so many opportunities to start a business to have a job that you love to make things create things you have so much more chance of success than an arbitrary lotto win. Yeah. Okay. So have you gone through a time where that is something that you've had to overcome, your own money blocks and fears? 
Absolutely. I still do all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm still always working on my money mindset. And I think at the start, it was around my identity, my self-identity. So who am I to make money? Who am I to have a successful business? And my identity was very much tied up in um, coming from housing commission and coming from a small town and all, all of those things. So I had to work a lot of that with that identity of, you know what, I can be a wealthy woman. It's okay for me to be a wealthy woman. And then even now, every time I hit a new milestone in my business, I do experience a little bit of a plateau where I think, oh my God, this is it. I can't make any more money. You know, this is it now. And I have to challenge my own self-identity again. Yeah, each time to go. Yep. Actually, no. It's it's safe for me to make more money. It's safe for me to be even more abundant and for it to be even easier. So I always recommend for people too when you're just starting out with the concept of money blocks, come up with all your excuses why you can't have the thing, why you're not allowed to be successful, and that's going to give you so much valuable information. And it's really weird some of the things that come out because the really common ones are like, oh, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too blah blah blah. But then when you go a layer deeper. There's some really interesting excuses. I realized I had one around my height, which sounds wow. so stupid, right? I'm average height. You can see yeah. me, we're in the same studio. But I remember a friend of mine saying, only tall people are successful in business. <laughs> it was so weird, but I took it on. Yeah. And I remember she was saying, oh, look at presidents, like presidents are always tall. And look at people yeah. in, you know, in Hollywood, they're always tall, which is actually not true at all. But I really took that on and I just thought, oh, I'm not commanding enough. Yes. Like I'm yeah. not magnetic enough to be successful. It was so weird. But then I ask women and they've got things like, well, you know, I've got kids or I've got an accent or I'm not the right skin color or I'm not skinny enough or I'm not pretty enough or I'm not smart enough or all the good ideas are gone or I'm not popular enough. And Do you know what's yeah. funny? Mine was the whole people would think I'm up myself and they won't like me. Yeah, that's a huge one of like I'll be ostracized. That's yep. the deep feeling around yep. it of I'll be kicked out of the village because they'll think I'm a bitch or yep. too big for my boots. Or what was the other thing about... She forgot where she came from. Yes, exactly, <laughs> that you're not going to be humble enough. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting because everyone's got their own, yep. but also everyone's got their own thing about what they think they have to give up for success. Yeah. The most common ones are things like love. So you think, oh, I can have success and money or I can have love or I can have success and money or be healthy or I can be a good mom. And I'd be curious to hear what you think yours could be, like where you think oh, if I get all of this, then I'm going to have to give up all of that. Do you know what? I think mine would be what I just touched on a minute ago is the whole, who am I to shine? Who am I to put myself out there? Who am I? People are going to judge me. What if I fail? That's another one. What if I fail? And it's interesting with the charity with Got You Back Sister, I have faced so many fears around that and have stood on the edge of the cliff so many times. For example, when a a building came out, right at the beginning, I was like, it'd be great if Got You Back Sister had our own building so we could run workshops in our own building, our self-defense classes. We don't have to go looking for venues. We're always looking to hire places. And it was really tough to find venues that that are not, you're not paying for commercial rates. So I'd always gone, I want us to have our own building. I want us to have our own building. And then one day I saw on Facebook, somebody had a space available and I went to look at this space and it was the most amazing, beautiful old building. And the woman there said, actually, I want to break my lease. Would you be interested in taking over the lease? And I went and called the three other board members and said, look, a building's come up. Do you want to come and have a look and see what you think? And they were like, yeah, 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 we totally need to do this. We totally need to do this. And I was like standing on the edge of the cliff going, this is such a commitment. 
it's going to cost us 40000 a year in rent. And that means I've got to come up with income to cover that. You know, all of those fears, doubts. I didn't sleep for six weeks. I was like, mm. how are we going to finish this? All of that. And do you know what happened? I was contacted by an amazing woman who imports furniture from Scandinavia and donated a building worth of furniture. Brand new. Wow. <laughs> brand new furniture. Yeah. It was the best decision that we made. We've absolutely been able to easily afford to the building. And it just means that we can help so many more women we've got a safe space to run all our programs but I've got to admit that if I didn't have those three other board members who were like yeah let's do this let's do this I could have still been standing on the edge of the cliff Mm. so I think having people with you to support you and, and encourage you is is really important oh absolutely I think that's one of the keys to creating an amazing life really because if you're constantly fighting against yourself which we all are right we've all got our own voice inside our head anyway so then if you've got a partner who's not supportive or you've got friends who are negative about money or success or whatever or a parent it's really hard because you have no armor you're so vulnerable to other people's beliefs that you take them on as yours and then of course when you're feeling crappy, you're not going to take any action. So that's that's hugely important. And you can you can engineer that as well. Like when you sat under the moon and wished for a Craig, you know, I've set intention for friends. Yeah. I've set intentions to find great business friends and great girlfriends who will support me. Yeah. And that helps so much in creating a an amazing life. Yeah. Absolutely. Get soulful and leave a review. Review us on Apple Podcast. So my friend, what's next for you? You've now published three books. Yes. Yes. Is exactly. there a fourth on, on the horizon? You know what? There really is some procrastinating finishing the proposal to send to my agent because it is a different book. My first book, Lucky Bitch, is about manifesting. Second one is about money mindset. The third one is about business. That's my last one, Chillpreneur. And this one is about how Mark and I manifested this trip to go traveling all around the world. And as part of that, we had to get married everywhere we went to promote this honeymoon company. Uh, We got married 87 times in six months. And it was one of the worst experiences I've ever had as a human being, (laughs) not because of the travel. The travel was great. The company was great. But I didn't realize until I did that trip how many blocks I had around love and around self-love and self-acceptance. And so it was almost like a funny experience that, you know, the universe sent me and really slapped in my face. You have got this beautiful partner that you want to be married to and you're sabotaging it and having to get married was like um it was like groundhog day you know and so I think that just taught me so much about (laughs) self-love and (laughs) self-acceptance more than you know marriage or weddings so yeah that's what the next book is about it's going to be called 87 weddings hopefully unless they change the name and I'll commit to you that I will send the book proposal by the end of the week (laughs) to my agent love it yeah we'll hold you to account on that so if you would like to learn more around Denise her books her programs how she helps people in the world and business people entrepreneurs go to denisedt.com you can also order her books through there is that right yes oh they're on Amazon and bookshops and all all of the places yeah so her books are lucky bitch yep the very first book, then Get, Get Rich, Rich Lucky, Lucky Bitch. bitch. <laughs> I love it. Love it. And the last one is Chillpreneur. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Denise. Thank you. Hey, thanks. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.